sun is shining, there's plenty of life. Oh, a new day is dawning, sunny and bright. Oh, but after I've been crying all night, the sun is cold and the new day seems old. Since I lost my baby. Since I lost my baby. Oh, since I lost my baby. Okay. God damn it. You bitches can't get yourselves prepared. I was prepared. Oh, man. Next, That's why I got to do my own ad-libs. Next that's time I'll be kinder. <laughs> but would you let me find you? Oh, Come on now. <laughs> that's like one of my favorite parts of the Jackson 5 and American Dream when Michael <laughs> sings that song. Yes. All in his nose. Oh, determination <laughs> is fading fast. <laughs> Inspiration. <laughs> Sing Michael You actually did not sound terrible That's probably because I'm sick I, I got my smelly cat on <laughs> Smelly cat <laughs> Well I drink my tea silently for all those haters in the back Oh yes the people were upset <laughs> They told you, me But sis you did have a big gulp Well <laughs> what you want me to do well, I mean, then why don't you hoes teach a class on how to swallow silently? You know what? I think you're taking it too far. You are. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord, niggas. Let's I just go ahead and just get into the show. Praise <laughs> the Lord, niggas. Praise the Lord, niggas. Welcome and back. Good evening. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Getting Grown with Jaden Kia. And this week we have a special guest. But before we do that, I have to do the what the show is all about because I've I've tended to forget that this year. So getting grown, as you know, or may, may just be learning. Getting grown is about the tests and trials of adulting. Uh, the twists, the turns, the temptations, the taxes of being a real life adult. Now in the year of our Lord 2019, man, and I'm Kia. I'm Jade. And we just be here trying to figure out, you know, how to be a little less raggedy than we were the day before. Amen. Amen. Uh, we have a guest this week. Uh, you, she's she's really not a guest because I say her name like just about every episode. Because, all the time. I mean, we talk all the time. So a lot of times I'd be like, Kisha said, and you know, Kisha said. So this year, Kisha's here to say for herself. That's correct. <laughs> so uh, uh, my good my good sis Keisha is in the building, um, and, and we're gonna have a good chat. Yes, I'm it's excited. gonna be fun. Keisha and I have a um, a very a very uh, hate, hate roller coaster love hate relationship. But if that's what you want to call it, if you want to call it a hate hate, we can. I mean, we can do this. It's all love, Jade. It's always I love, love you dearly. I love you dearly. Keisha's a troll and Jay's a troll. So them together is like the troll Olympics. I, I don't know that I would call myself a troll. Oh, I, that I would call under the my, bridge, wow, sis. Wow, guys. Under the boardwalk trolling. Um, okay, all right. Okay, all right. You are, the fact that you just said that you're not a troll is evidence like that the you are not a troll. troll thing you've ever said ever. Holy God. What? Keisha, tell the people about yourself. Um, Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god hi i'm keisha and i'm super goofy oh i am okay let me be serious for a second hello <laughs> hi everybody my name is keisha um i am a jamaican american woman i'm sorry that's <laughs> 
I don't know what to say. I wasn't prepared to introduce myself. What, what did you think you were going to have to do? They I were going to be like, who is I, this third bitch? Yeah, I thought we were just going to just talk. <laughs> oh I didn't I didn't think about <laughs> preparing to introduce myself. Okay. Well, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm Jamaican. What don't I do? I'm Jamaican for a living. Um, <laughs> she oh is. She I is. have quite a number of jobs and let me run through them very quickly for you. Okay. Um, the job that takes up the most of my time is that I am an estate planning attorney with the with a firm. Oh, in- <laughs> black girls doing shit. <laughs> with, with a firm in the D.C. area. That's right. I'm an estate planner. Um, I'm also an adjunct professor at a law school Fancy. in D.C. Hmm. I teach civic action to 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders who I love very much at a homeschooling program. That's probably my favorite thing to do. Um, and I help people achieve their dreams by giving them legal protection. Yes, you do. Hallelujah. Yes, and my last and final job is I love the Lord. He heard my She cry. does. Um, she and does. I am prone to break out in a praise dance at any given moment. <laughs> that is actually the truth. <laughs> Keisha is the girl who wears, y'all know the shirts that say like Tupac, Biggie, you know, they have like the little names. Don't talk about my shirt now. Ke- Keisha's shirt be like Mary, Hannah, like Ruth, Ruth, Ruth. Ruth. <laughs> Esther, Esther, and me. <laughs> and Keisha. <laughs> the women of the Bible are just prominently featured in Squad, Squad, Squad. <laughs> y'all are mad. Mary, Mary and Mary and Mary. <laughs> It'd be like Mary, Martha, uh, Ruth. That's correct. Orpa, Naomi. Well, Shout Orpa. out to my sisters. All right. Jake. Shout out to my sis. Yeah. Is, oh is it time God. for that segment? Jade, Jade just says she's the woman of the Bible. Oh. Oh, Jade. <laughs> oh. Okay. Jade, do you even know a chapter that a woman would appear in in the Bible? Genesis. You know that's what? not a chapter, that's a book. Okay, don't worry. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> I, saw, I saw the drinks okay. that I was just... <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. I know that the uh, Song of don't Solomon again. is all about a woman. Fair. I give her that. Thank you so much. You guessed. Did you Google that? That's no. how. See, that's how churchy you are. You just rolled your eyes at me, you judgmental churchy lady. No, no, no. Me <laughs> judging you is because I'm Jamaican. That's that's. It's what a combo from. of the two, which makes you extra judgy. Says, okay, we got plenty of we time. Have we trash. have a full show to yes. argue. I was, well, I was going to ask you how you doing first. I mean, oh, I'm uh, I'm here. I'm getting over sickness. The whole house you was, was sick this week. I was sick this week, and our whole house was plagued with all kinds of disease. Mm. Oh Lord, we just like we should preemptively spray some Lysol. Yeah. I sprayed Lysol everywhere, literally. Tristan had a stomach virus. I had some kind of, I don't know, some kind of cold, some kind of terroristic uh, threat to my body. Noah's got some kind of cough going on. It's just gross. So that's how I've been. How you been? Mm. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm doing better than that. That's I'm, I'm, grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful. The devil tried me all day long, but he mm-hmm. cannot have my Monday. I'm Amen. sick of him. Monday. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of him. He tries it extra hard on a Monday. Ugh, he does. He's just so ashy. I was so and proud I'm, of your response earlier in my text messages. Thank you. I'm really trying to be better. You know, I'm trying to not have as many tantrums. I was telling Jade that after the lady hit my car, mm-hmm. I came upstairs and I was intentionally like, you know what? I'm okay. I'm not going to melt down. It's going to be handled. I got too much to do. I'm just going to focus, focus, focus. 
And Jade was like, I'm proud of you. And I was like, thank you for affirming me in this moment, sis. <laughs> yes. Good job, Jade. Good job. And good job, Kia. Thank you. Yes, I'm proud and of I how had to she pray. handled that. I cussed the devil out in the car. And then I had to ask God to forgive me for cussing. <laughs> I was like, you know what? That nigga ain't <laughs> He ain't an ounce of shit. And I he is not. <laughs> I, was so, I was talking so much. And I was like, you know what, Lord? You know I ain't mean to curse in my prayer. But I meant that. He not going to win. Okay. He knows how he you knows feel. your heart. He knows how you feel. I was angry when I be deep. having a fight. I be having a fight, but he's still alive. And That's I correct. mean, you know, my skin is moisturized. Mm-hmm. So guys, look, absolutely. That's what he does. All right, let's get on into this raggedy show. See, this is why people think this is a church show. <laughs> I mean, is it a church show? I'm just saying. No. Does that make it a church show? No, but you know, people people have automatically assumed um, they have. Uh, grouped us I have noticed a few people into a more um, evangelistic category <laughs> they've listened to a show where you have spoken and they've categorized it as church I feel like I am I too am shocked I too am shocked that's my bad that's probably my fault though. no it's not oh, a fault that's who you are yeah but anyway it's not a church show. All right, let's move on to the trash. <laughs> I just told the devil he ain't shit. So clearly I'm still struggling. Please talk, keep talking about the devil because he ain't. <laughs> he ain't shit. It's all yeah. facts. All right, y'all, let's get into these uh, good old uh, trash. Let's do it right quick. Murder. The trash is funky today. There is nothing good in it. So we will just, we just shall. Hurry Let's forward. Through. Let's power through. So I'm sure you've heard about this 21 Savage um, yeah. situation and how he allegedly overstayed his visa. Um, but he's he's had, there's claims that he applied for a renewal in 2017. Now, I have, you know, you know, I love a good joke and a meme and a gif. But I've refrained in this situation because... I already don't trust anything that the white government says, mm-hmm. um, especially ICE. I mean, if we have seen all of these examples of these disgusting detention centers and how they're purposely targeting certain neighborhoods and people, why are we all of a sudden now going to take their word for it and say and take what they say at face value? That's so cool. what I have kind of put together from all of these different articles mm-hmm. 21 Savage's family is originally from Dominica. People like to say he is from the Dominican Republic. He is not. Dominica is a small island in the British West Indies. Mm-hmm. It's under British ruling. So he came over here when he was a young kid. There's people saying that they were in the same third grade class as him. And I take this personally because Tristan came over here when he was 12. Right from Trinidad, he came over here when he was twelve. If you listen to Tristan talk right now, you would have no clue that, that he came from anywhere else. Now that's not to say that it's a bad thing that he had an accent or it's a good thing that he lost his accent. But I'm saying people are able to claim where they're raised or or where they end up moving to if they spend a good chunk of their life there. And it's I just think I don't know I think it's kind of funky the way black people have handled this situation because it's like we were real quick to say to, to take what these white people are saying and we already know how they're treating people of color especially down in Mexico and I don't know I feel sad and I hope that this is all sorted out he is being held and um, 
there is no bill or bond for him right now. So he's not able to get out. Well, that's how they do those cases. Yeah. And apparently he has been trying to handle his paperwork the right way. You also can't get on people when they come over here as young people and they don't even know anything about the paperwork. How are they supposed to know what they're supposed to do to keep themselves in this country? So, I mean, that's the issue that dreamers have been dealing with. Mm hmm. And so, I mean, all this legislation around them is about talking about the fact that they came over when they were young kids. They weren't the ones who brought themselves over and they grew up here. And a lot of them didn't find out what their status was until it was like time for them to go to college or apply for scholarships and do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Tristan couldn't finish. You want to send them back. And it's like he couldn't get his degree because he was supposed to do an internship to finish out and couldn't because he didn't have a Social Security number. Mm-hmm. So it, there's a lot that goes into the immigration laws. And I feel like a lot of American born um, kids are very ignorant to immigration laws and how things work and how complicated they are and how more complicated they seem to get as time goes on. And again, your girl loves I, I love nigga shit on the Internet. I love to make fun of people on the Internet. But. Sometimes we need to take certain things that are said and do some research and look into things for ourselves and kind of kind of get out of our own little American bubble. So yeah, that's true. And also, I mean, if if you want to kind of know someone who or or follow someone who has been working in this space for a long time is around our age. Her name is Alita Garcia. She's amazing. She's been working with Dreamers. Um, She works with an organization that works directly with them. She was working with French Montana when he was like supporting Mm -hmm. the Dreamers and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And she's on Twitter. It's Leeds Garcia, like Leeds, L-E-E-D-S Garcia. She's great. For a little while. And she's got awesome little like notable quotables. Yeah. And sound bites. Yeah. Get you together right quick. So, yeah, if you guys need some more information. And she's a Stanford grad. Mm, of course, you have to oh, plug in there. <laughs> oh, slight plug, slight plug. Holler, holler, holler. <laughs> <laughs> but I just admonish you all to look a little bit more into that, just because it's uh, it's it's kind of crazy the way people can come over here as young kids and can be sent, you know, back to a place that yeah, their family is from, and that's what that they're proud of their culture. But at the same time, it's somewhere that they haven't been since they were two and three years old. How are you gonna do that to people? That's not right. Charlotte Roos is filing for bankruptcy. Dang, the clothing wow. store? They're closing over 100 stores. End of an era. Wow. Fashion Nova is putting all these bitches I was about to say. <laughs> Especially since they get that two-day shipment. The girls don't even go to the mall no more. Listen, Fashion Nova heard your cries about how half of you all were getting your shit six weeks later or whatever. And they said, we got something for that ass. ASOS what? We got two day shipping. <laughs> we don't get Cardi B's coming for everybody's coin. Everybody. It's gonna be a whole army of like purple hair and fashion over bodysuits. I can't wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys hear about this Liam Neeson thing? So I felt like I saw it scroll across my timeline today um on okay. Twitter. But evidently, didn't he like admit to at one point essentially looking for a black man to kill? Yes. No, no, yes, not Liam. Yes, yes Liam. <laughs> Do you need a second? Oh, point. Oh, she needs a second. <laughs> JK. Oh. <laughs> yes, Liam. Yes, Liam did that. Uh he so apparently one of his friends allegedly one of his friends was uh, raped by a black man back in the day. 
And he was angry when he was told. And he said for about a week, he went out on a rampage and was ready to basically like, you know, on site for any black person who uh, any black man who approached him wrong. He wanted to kill like, yeah, it was a lot. Now he has since apologized and said he realizes that his mentality was wrong. I don't these new memes that people are putting up where it's like nobody and then like people are blurting things out. <laughs> it's kind of like, sir, like some of y'all just need Why? to learn how to keep certain things to yourself. I'm floored that he sat across from a journalist on on like and a camera was on and he said this out. He said loud. that. Just like unprompted? Yes. Yes. Was, or somebody, was it or was the journalist like, hey, no, tell some, us about a racist no, the journalist story from asked your past. him no. to tell the people why the movie that he's currently promoting is a good movie. And he and launched he into this direction. Oh, and God. even then, like if I were a white man. And I ever had the thoughts and they asked me, you can damn well, especially in this political climate, I'm going to sit there and be like, nope, never. Mm -mm, I never black lives matter. (laughs) I would never. I would lie my ass off. (laughs) So lie my ass off. Or I, I just I can't. If you got any proof, I'm not talking about it. Right. I'm not talking about it. Nope. So. Yeah, your boy Liam is being canceled by many because he uh, had racist thoughts before. And yeah, Black Lives Matter. They really do. Yep. Christoph St. John passed away. Oh, I'm so sad. I know. Yeah, I saw that. I'm not sure what the reasons are. And it doesn't. I don't feel I, like it's been released. I don't uh, think so. The um, they just said they know that it was no foul play and they believe maybe alcohol was involved. I don't know. But rest in peace to him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of crazy. He's and, and he seems so young. I don't know how old he was either. He was 52. Oh, he was young. That's young. Yeah. Yeah. And he looked young. He lost his son to suicide in 2014, I believe, Mm. and has since had some um, uh, mental health issues. I remember when I read the article, they said that in, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I I might be getting the dates confused. I know he has lost his son uh, to suicide. And I think maybe it was 2014. He was under placed under a suicide watch himself by the police. Mm hmm. Um, and I'm like I said, I might be getting those dates crossed, but I know it was recently. Mm. And, um, so there has been some issues. Well, enough again, nothing has been confirmed. It's all speculation at this point until the investigation, you know, is done and confirmed and everything. But that is so sad. It's a sad story. That is sad. That is sad. So all the peace to him, to you know, to his family and. I feel really bad. I ho- I'm just glad, you know, if he was living with depression and, and, and thoughts like that, I'm just glad he's not suffering anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooklyn's Metropolitan Detention Center. Oh, Lord. Now, I don't know all of that, but I did see Yandy on my timeline. Wait, what happened? Oh, I don't know anything about bubble bath, but well, yeah, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> well, there was a picture. First of, of all, I love that show. Yeah, so much. Yeah, was out there. Um, what, what was it like? A pro? Was something was going on there? A protest? A, a so, event. so they, so they didn't have any heat in the jail for six days, and these she men was pepper sprayed. 
Yes. Maced. Wow. Yes. They're also pepper spraying the um, the inmates because they were rioting because they did not have any heat for six days. And allegedly yeah. they didn't have any food either, which I didn't even know you could survive for six days with no food. And it was the temperatures were around 30 degrees in the jail. So there's videos of uh, there's videos where you can hear the prisoners like 1600 men banging in protest because they're living in those kind of conditions. And I've been watching 60 Days In and I know you said you're not going to watch it, Kia. That's correct. Write that down. Keisha, you should watch 60 Days In. What's 60 Days In? Kia, what's 60 Days In? Hmm. 60 Days (laughs) In is is an A&E reality show about. 12 participants who enter a program Absolutely to not. see <laughs> Absolutely not. where next. they are inmates Thank you, next. for 60 know, days. Fran told me she watched Thank it and next. she had PTSD. And I was like, that's all I'm I good. needed to hear. Thank you I so much. I have such I'm Fran good. and Asante in. I am on a mission. Me and Crystal are still like, I nope. I don't nope, have the time nope. to get sucked into a show. Mm-hmm. So no. You should watch 60 Days In, especially no, the Atlanta not. season, season three no, and I'm four. Great. I'm great. Thank you so much. But they do showcase some of the disgusting um, treatment of inmates in prison. And I think in the second season, I saw where there was a flood and like feces was backing up into the pod. And so they started moving all the prisoners out into this one big room. And they were all cramped in there, sleeping on the floor. They didn't give them food for a while. They had no water. And the feces was backing up into the thing. And they didn't immediately get them out of the pods when the feces was backing up into the pods. That is so disgusting. Like, you don't treat people like that. I don't care what their status is legally or what have you. You do not treat human beings like that. That's not right. And white people go the hell up for some animals before they'll go up for a person. Mm-hmm. Speak on it. <laughs> <laughs> they sure they will never let a dog sit in no feces, but they'll let a nigga sit in some feces real quick. Uh, did y'all see Rachel Dolezal doing her uh, box braids? Somebody tried to send me that. I multiple people tried to send me that, and I just have been like swatting that thing like a fly in the middle of August. Just, nope. Well, you let me girl. just express my thankfulness that nobody. I have no idea what you all are talking about, but There's I a know video. That she's in like Catchy Diallo. No, I'm good. Mm-hmm. In Catchy Diallo, like aka teaching. Rachel Dolezal, no, mm-hmm. is doing her box braids, teaching people how to do box braids themselves. And she is using a bottle of Pump It Up. <laughs> she teasing up her hair so that they, I don't know. I'm not even going to try to rationalize why she's using Pump It Up. I don't know. Never mind. Please continue. Mm-mm. Oh, no, that's it. I just, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and then lastly, I just want to see if y'all saw your girl try to put her box braids in herself. That's not my girl. No. Your girl in Catching Diallo. Whose girl? The Rachel Divide. Y'all's girl. Mm-mm. Bow Wow got in a fight with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Or his girlfriend got in a fight with him. So, uh, allegedly reported um, they got into a fight over some Super Bowl. He wasn't taking her to the Super Bowl parties. She got pissed off, busted him in the face with a lamp. Called the police, said that. What? Yeah. This is the story, like legit. Because you know about red. I was going to shut up. Sorry. But I thought I saw like scratch marks on On his his face. face. You know, Joseph said he looked like he got in a fight with a girl who wears stiletto nails. Oh, God. That's what Joseph said. (laughs) I mean, could have very well been. Um, so they got in a fight and they said so when I guess when the police came and they investigated and did all of that, it was said that she was the aggressor. He was not. Uh, and he says she attacked him. 
she called 911, but he says she attacked him. And I guess they were both taken into custody. All I know is we need to all be keeping our hands off of each other. This is what I was going to say. Like, I don't know. That I wasn't there, right there. But the bottom line is, shouldn't nobody be hitting nobody. Nah. That is it right there. I don't, I, y'all know I do not see it for a, a young Shad Moss. No, not at all. Um, young I'm Delusion. Not, yeah, but I'm not going to sit here and say that anybody deserves that. So mm-hmm. she got to go too. She got to go yep. too. Nobody needs to be putting their hands on anybody else. And That's that it. is the trash this week. Well, that was enough because I felt I'm overwhelmed. I know. I'm feeling heavy. It's yeah, a lot. It was a lot. I was like, is there no good news? <laughs> somebody got to have a good if something, if something happened to you over the weekend, Monday, something that was good, send, send us an email, a tweet or something. Oh, Crystal made short rib queso. Queso. I stole her story. Oh my God. The this food looks so good. Was. These little ham sliders. She made these little ham and Swiss sliders I with a was brown sugar mustard glaze. Or maybe it was mozzarella. It was a white cheese. Brown and popped them in the milk. oven on a Hawaiian roll. A king's Hawaiian a, roll? A king's Hawaiian roll. The sweet and savory was popping. She made this a crab dip. You know, Virgos do. She, <laughs> I told her I was going to do. I told her I was going to bring sorrow. So I brought sorrow, but I brought three big bottles. She says, bitch, there are going to be seven people here. All y'all was doing the most because she sent me a picture of what the house looked like. I was like, it's going to be about seven people inside the house. Why your joint look like a reception hall? Also, did she have a banner? Yes. She had a banner. She <laughs> had a that cake. was going to happen if it was just her or or seven people because that is her celebration. She's just petty and this, this is week. Yeah, yeah. We just allow her to the space to be herself. <laughs> we try to be good friends in that way. <laughs> That's it. That's all. It's just like this is what she wants to do. We're going to support you. That's correct. That's right. Well, let all us right. move forward to the shout outs. Oh, can My sister's popping right now, like. All right, kids, it's time to uh, shout out the shout outs. Um, and since we have a guest, I'm going. We're going to Keisha's having Keisha's firm is having an awesome event for young millennials in the DMV. I'm going to give her an opportunity to share some details and tell us why it's so important um, for us to be doing these kinds of activities. Keisha, take it away, ASAP. One percent. You're annoying. Um, So uh, for all of you DMV young black professionals, um, if you fall between the ages of 25 and 40, uh, but really 18 and up, but this is going to be tailored to 25 and 40, we are doing a millennial wealth building workshop that's going to be hosted by my good sis Kia. Um, And we're doing it because, uh, so I'm an estate planner and most of my clients are about twice my age. And at that point in their 60s and 70s and some 80s, I'm talking to them about getting their affairs in order so they can pass wealth down to other generations. But the truth is, when you start that late, you're not really maximizing what you can pass down to other people. So I want to start talking to us at this age. We're bringing financial professionals. There's going to be uh, me and another estate planning professional there who are going to talk about how to use what you have to make more of it. And then pass it down to future generations. Um, and I'm I'm really passionate about this because um, black wealth is going down. So about 30, 40 years ago, um, I think the median black wealth was like 11,600, something like that for average black families. Today, it's like 3,600. And then it's projected to be zero in 2053. No. Legit. 
legit. Oh That's what the studies are saying now. And so to me, I'm looking at uh, people like us who've got a lot of student loan debt, people who are um, deciding not to do um, things like have families, things like buy homes, things like make investments because of the unique situation that we as millennials are in. So it is an event that's going to talk about that. I'm really excited to do it. I'm really excited that Kia has agreed to host it. Um, It's going to be at a historic place in Prince George's County, Maryland, the Prince George's African-American Museum, which most people didn't even know existed. So I'm excited to introduce that to people. Amen. Um, And it's going to be on March 9th from 1 to 3 p.m. We're going to have food. We're going to have a little bit of music. We're going to have a good time. We're going to learn. We're going to fellowship. You're going to be able to ask questions. Everyone who's going to be there is a millennial. So it's two millennial estate planners, two millennial financial planners, uh, (laughs) Tiffany Vini, Matthew Aaron, Jason Snipe. Shout out to them. They're amazing, brilliant people. And if you want to come, TGF as in the Griffin firm, tgfmillennialwealth.eventbrite.com. And it's important. Um, I know for me, losing my brother as young as he was, was really just like a wake up call in in a lot of different respects. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, a lot of us think that we have a lot of life to live and preferably that is the case. But um, having to really... um, stand by my mother as we navigated my brother's final arrangements um you know it was something that I, I guess I needed to go through um this was an illuminating experience but uh it really just lit a fire under me um to kind of get my get my life together um and I think it's an awesome opportunity for people like me who have not been you know we just grew up you do, doing the best we can with what we had. Um, but exposure is really uh, one of the greatest gifts that we could ever receive. So a lot of times you, you, you know, you can't do what you don't know. Right. Um, and many of us have just not been exposed to the opportunities and the resources that may be available to us. And as a result, we think that things like wealth and financial stability are unattainable mm-hmm. given the, our current situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's just not the case. Um, and, and a lot of times this is especially true for people of color um, because we just, you know, it's, it's, it's this is just evidence of kind of the structural ways that that we have been um, just zeroed out of certain certain uh certain kinds of wealth, but this is really just an awesome opportunity for just come to come and get knowledge um, about how you might be able to build wealth and not just about, and you know, and and just, you know, you want to do well for yourself, but um, you know, wealth, you know, into future generations and, you know, really help uh, your family to progress while you're here. And even after you're gone and not just your family, but also your community, right? Right. Because when you do think a lot of us think that we don't have enough, right? We're either not situated, we're not old enough. Uh, we're not situated, we're not married. We're not situated, oh, we don't have kids. So estate planning is not for me, right? But the truth is there was a guy in Seattle and I read about this article last year. He was a social worker. He made like 60K a year. No wife, no kids. He worked with an estate planner and a financial planner and he left upwards of almost a million dollars to charity when he died. And all of that went to benefit kids who were disadvantaged. 
So even though he didn't have kids because of the work that he did, because of his heart for serving disadvantaged children, Mm -hmm. he could leave and do that. And that leaves the world a better place than when he found it, you know? So it's just a matter of taking the little bit that we think we have and doing a whole lot with it, which can just, I mean, think about the amount of resources that those organizations can now push back into the community because of what he did, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. It's, it's important work and we're just going to, you know, all of us are going to come and learn. I'm, I, as a moderator, I'm honored that I was asked to host, but I'm coming literally uh, with the expectation that I'm going to learn, um, you know, just as much, if not more than, than attendees. I'm the one that's going to be sitting in the seat asking the question. So if you're in the DMV area and you want to learn like me, come sit with us. We're going to be um, there uh, in Prince George's County. Um, it's going to be an awesome event. So if you're around and you want to be down, uh, we're going to put the link in the information in the description box. So check us out. This weather can be confusing for your body. You're bundled up in the cold, but after running around all day, you realize you've been sweating under your layers, child. Keep it fresh and clean this winter with coconut deodorant from Kapari. Kapari's coconut deodorant is aluminum-free, vegan, and does not contain silicone sulfates, parabens, GMOs, or baking soda. It's a cleaner option that works just as well. Kapari's coconut deodorant is formulated with plant-based actives like sage oil and coconut oil, so you stay fresh all day. It goes on smooth and doesn't leave behind a sticky white residue. Along with their original coconut scent, Kapari offers a fragrance-free version um, of their deodorant, plus two new scents called Beach and Gardenia. With I know, right? With Kapari subscription, deodorant is shipped to you as often as you choose automatically for the free-free. They also offer a money-back guarantee. So let me tell y'all, I love Kapari because I be walking around smelling like a mixture of pina colada and Tahitian treat. Even when I get a little, you know, um, when I get a little dewy, <laughs> you know, I'm not one for the perspiration, but you know, there have been times where I get to glisten and, you know, they make a great point here when, you know, you dress up in your layers and by the time you get to your destination or even when you sit in the car, you just, you know, before you know it, it's feeling quite temperate and balmy and you are in a, <laughs> you are in a full sweat, honey. But when you wear your Kapari, you don't have to worry, honey, because you be out here and you still be smelling like, um, you know, tropical bay breezes. <laughs> uh, so go to KapariBeauty.com. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the original scent. Um, I'm excited about trying Beach and Gardenia though because they also sound like amazements. Um, so yeah, go to kaparipeauty.com slash grown to make the safe switch today and save five whole American dollars off your first order when you subscribe. That's kapari, K-O-P-A-R-I beauty.com slash grown. Kaparibeauty.com slash grown. Imagine if you could chat with your doctors anytime for your phone, get prescriptions online and get birth control delivered straight to your door every month with automatic refills enter nurex the game-changing company that's here to make getting birth control easier nurex offers end-to-end care without ever having to leave your home it means paying for fewer doctor's visits skipping pharmacy lines and no more forgetting to pick up your refill every month plus if you don't have insurance it's the most affordable option out there and if you do have insurance it could be completely free hello just go to their website 
or their app to answer a few health questions for their certified doctors. They carry over 50 brands of birth control, so you can choose your go-to, or their medical team will help you find the best option for you. It's all safe and secure and HIPAA compliant. Go to nurx.com slash grown for $20 credit and get birth control at your doorstep in less than a week. That's nurx.com slash grown. All right, y'all. It's time to gather around the kitchen table, man. And I'm excited because we're going to talk about my new favorite book. Favorite. So good. So stinking good. Oh, my gosh. So um, I got a, a Instagram DM from somebody who is actually connected to or I don't want to say connected to, but her mom went to school with Brittany Cooper and um, her mom was um, I guess she told her mom that we were going to be doing um eloquent rage as a part of the book club for getting grown and she was like i told my mom to tell britney and she said she's gonna listen so what if you're listening <laughs> we love we you stand <laughs> as, okay? as we fuck. love you i mean we stand a prophetess okay? yes listen yes. all right you, well then let yes. me let me give her a little let me tell her a little something real quick real quick <laughs> <laughs> so listen like the book club you know it's like kia's thing your girl Don't used do to this. be i knew you was gonna do your this. girl Don't used to be an avid reader like back in the day and then somewhere lost the lines of busyness in like all of my jobs because I too am a Jamaican American that's correct (laughs) I lost my passion and my love for reading right so like we got to read these for the book club it's been helping to pick it back up so I knew this had to be done and I am a procrastinator so I waited until the last minute well I picked the book up and I was like well this is just motherfucking good from the first I had a line. highlighter nigga I have dog eared pages like it's so good it so, is so good I'm excited for those of you who don't know because you don't be paying attention or whatever I'm just kidding but yeah no um, but she's not though the book <laughs> The um the book club uh selection um is Eloquent Rage, a black feminist discovers her superpower by Brittany Cooper. Um whoa, almost dropped the book. Don't do that, girl. Um and we're just gonna have a very um free-flowing conversation about you know just kind of the major themes and the things that we love and things that made us think and things that made us uh you know cry and think of things that mm-hmm. made us you know lift our hands in in agreement and affirmation like that's so it many things. uh but there's so, so many things and we're gonna try to have this conversation um as comprehensively but as briefly as possible and if we should need to uh continue the conversation in another episode we're willing to do that because there's just that much good here um, it's so good yeah man so I don't know how to open it up. I don't, I was thinking that we would. So, I mean, we're not going to talk about the book as we usually, as we often say with our book club books, uh, selections, we're uh, intentional about discussing the book in a way that doesn't ruin it. So you don't have to feel like if you haven't finished it, you don't have to cut it off or you don't have to cut it off if you've not read the book at all or you don't even want to. We're just going to use it to kind of frame our conversation um, about um, black fem feminism as presented by Brittany Cooper. I do um, like how the how how it got the name though. Yes. <laughs> I think we should talk about it. I think we should open with that. That story is great. Yeah. You can also just open reading the first line of the book. Yes. 
This is true. Because I read that first line and I was like, oh, okay, let me settle in. (laughs) (laughs) Because she literally said, this is a book by a grown ass woman written for other grown ass -ass women. That's correct. Period. It is. It is. That is the group I fall in. I said, I feel seen. I said, said, at me next time, Brittany. You know what I'm saying? We can do this together. But the the only reason I wanted to talk about how it got the name was because I I was the other girl. So when she said she got mad initially, because eloquent rage did not come from a place of grace. It did not come. I mean, it did come from a place of grace, but she did not take it gracefully initially. And it came from another black woman complimenting her and telling her that she loved the way that she expressed herself. There was an eloquent rage to the way that she expressed herself. And I like how she got offended and the girl gave her, she got offended. And normally when white women, you they go, oh, you're so sassy. You know, we'd be like, what, what, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? She got offended with the other black girl. And the black, she said the black girl gave her a look like, girl, please. Like, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the real, one. <laughs> I'm not the one you need to be making that crazy ass face at. You know, you mad. And I, was, <laughs> I felt why. so seen. That's why the book is so good, because I, I love it that, you know, a lot of times, feminism and like these kind of broader sociological uh, terms and, and frameworks and lenses and things like that are presented in like really academic and scholarly spaces. Mm-hmm. But Brittany has a way of making you feel like you sitting uh, on her couch <laughs> right? and y'all, right. just, y'all just, you know, shooting, shooting shit over some snacks mm-hmm. and somebody got some sangria and we, we just and out here. Crystal short talking. rib queso. Right. We just out here talking about um, what it means to be a black woman and the acute awareness, like having an acute awareness of 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 what that feels like, what that experience entails um, and how that shapes like, you know, how you see and move about mm-hmm. in the world. And, and a lot. And it's just it just it's so awesome in that I feel like she writes it in a way that it can resonate with, you know, your high society social uh socialite um upper echelon mm-hmm. uh women but it can also get with you know queen queen and them, you know queen mm-hmm. queen yep. um down to the beauty parlor like yes. you know mm-hmm. we yes. can because i mean that those experiences um you know just kind of transcend uh like things like social class mm-hmm. because i mean just there's just some unique nuanced experiences that come with being uh, black a black girl. woman yeah and in that, and we all kind of share them regardless of how we grew up mm-hmm. yeah and I also love that it just it feels like a love letter to black women right it does. just like hey y'all I see you I am you mm-hmm. um, we in this together and you know we're gonna try and strive for better together like this this is what we want to see this is a change we want to see and it's within us so let's understand it and figure out how to how to use it Absolutely. you know Love it. Okay, so um, Brittany Cooper uh, is a professor. I think she's currently at Rutgers. Um, and I think she teaches, I think she has like a dual appointment in like African-American studies and like women's studies or something. I hope I'm not making that up. I'm trying to look at my little paper here 
Okay, I don't see it though. But yeah, um, Jade was telling a story about how the term eloquent rage came from a conversation that she was having with one of her students who was essentially calling her out like, girl, you're so mad, but it's beautiful though. Right. <laughs> it was what she called the black girl call out. Right. Yes, yeah. yes, right. yes. <laughs> and I mean, I think it's awesome that, you know, she was honest about how being called angry was triggering mm-hmm. um, because, you know, that angry black woman trope is something we've discussed a lot, but it's something that um, I heard Brittany Packnett talking about intersectionality on Instagram today. Shout out to Brittany, friend to the show. Always. Um, but Brittany said, you know, how black women are often termed as angry, um, you know, for for their audacity. Yes. When we are mm-hmm. audacious enough to really own our truth and how we feel about things, people just dismiss it as yeah. anger. Because we're not caucasious um, enough. Because <laughs> you know Caucasity Caucasity is a thing Is a thing <laughs> It is without question A thing man So yeah um, I think that uh, it, it really It really started there um, And I think that She beautifully Throughout the book Kind of reclaims Rage Yes um, and, and takes it Takes it back From you know This angry black woman thing is It's not just something That y'all You know Pin on us, but I mean, hell yeah, I'm mad, and I got the I got a lot to be mad about, and y'all, <laughs> and, and being mad is healthy, mm-hmm. and being mad is helpful, and, and ain't nothing nobody, wrong with it. Can't nobody be mad like a black woman. That's true, mad. and especially a black because woman who deserve. knows who who um, articulates herself in such a way that when she gets that mad, like it's just like a a train. Like you, you can't stop it. Nobody can cuss anybody out as eloquently as a black woman. <laughs> no, it's an eight. No, it, it is supreme. literally a gift. It is it's something that runs through our blood. That's and another right. thing I liked about this, it's I our like, birthright. It's our birthright. <laughs> it's our reparations. It's our origin. It's from the ancestors. Like it's just what it is. It's in the Bible. But it's in the Bible. It is. It's in the Bible. They are like, angry. They black are women can cuss you out better. Than anybody That's else correct. Absolutely And I own it It's not something I'm going to run from Anymore um, Oh it's not I something ne- I'm, Never have Never have Never have, <laughs> never have. <laughs> never have. Uh, I'm just trying yeah. to balance it But I like to What I liked about Brittany Throughout this book And we can start to get Into some detailed things But I like that at, Like you said Every black girl Out there Can see a little bit Of herself In, in the story and how and how she was speaking, you know, no matter where you're from, what walk of life, because she talked about the unity of black women and like the whole thing about us having to come together. But anyway, go ahead. We're going to get into some details. Dope. So um, in uh, throughout the book to me and y'all just jump in because I'm just going to kind of like meander through my little notes and thoughts here. But um what I think is dope is that Brittany kind of presents um, a conceptualization of black feminism mm-hmm. that um, is different to me. It's like a more nuanced way of thinking about it because, you know, we know that traditionally um, feminism has been uh, focused solely on the F experiences well, it's kind of prioritized. I'm going to say feminism in and of itself has prioritized uh, the needs of white women before, uh, you know, above and above and, and beyond any other um, mm-hmm. group. And um, black feminism that kind of uh, 
evolved in response to that feminism was just, you know, focused mainly on being anti, you know, the conventional feminism. Right. But Brittany, I think what she's done here so nicely is really kind of said, um, you know, this is not about, you know, uh, white women, but it's not about hating white women either. Um, you know, there's more to it than that. It's not that simple. It is simply about, well, not simple, but simply, but it is essentially um, just kind of a, a black feminism that is going to prioritize black women and the love of black women mm-hmm. um, and anything that is going to, uh, um, I'm stumbling here. Anything that's going to center black women's values, black women's safety, black women's joy, black women's aspirations, um, and anything that's going to dismantle anything that would be a threat to that. And um, it's not about, you know, this. I'm just here. She essentially says throughout the book, I'm here because I'm a black woman who loves black women. Black women. women. Yes. And yes. we're going to talk about that in all the ways that that, that is kind of, you know, seen um, and felt and experienced, uh, you know, in the world. I like, um, I like where she, so staying on that same theme, where she said friendships with black girls have always saved my life. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. that's same. true. <laughs> it's true. And she talks about the complexities of relationships with black girls from your adolescence and how you guys can kind of fall into that little mean girl category. And there's like a lot of pettiness and things there. But at the end of the day, which I hate that expression, <laughs> we're still all black girls who have to kind of stick together. And she talks about the involvement of how she feels about her relationships with black women. But the common theme, even from youth, is that she has always it has always been important to her to have relationship with black girls and black women. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, what I love about that is that when when she talks about uh, her investment in in black female relationships, Mm -hmm. that it's worthwhile. Yes. Because when I, I when I think about the investments that I've made over my life, you know, invest, an investment is supposed to have a return on it. Mm-hmm. So even going through the stages of dealing with the pettiness and the meanness that can come from it's like is a function of youth. And that's just operating within the systems that we may not even understand. Right. But then as you grow and as you grow with women and you invest in women that you, you know, you love and they become family and you grow with them and they challenge you and you challenge them. Doing that with black women has always been worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Dope. Yeah. And I think what's so awesome is that uh, she uses friendship as kind of like. Um, an example of how we do the work of black feminism. Yes. Um, like she, and she talked, she ra- throughout the book and all of the chapters, she kind of raises these concepts, whether it be friendship, whether it be fear, whether it be rage, whether it be faith. Um, and she kind of breaks down how those things are ways that black women have been doing the work of black feminism, you know, down through the years mm-hmm. um, Like we were all Black feminists Before we knew We were Before black we knew We were Because I mean, you know you. Oh go ahead sister. No 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 no. What were you gonna say She quotes Beyonce And Beyonce said it best She was like I yeah. mean I Yeah I guess I'm a feminist If you break it down But like I didn't Set out to be a feminist I just 
all of the all of the attributes of the equality, all the things that that come along with it, I, I believe in. So I guess that's what you could call me, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, to paraphrase. Okay. No, I mean, I think and I can that that resonates with me because I feel like I fell into. Right. I fell into Same. it as well. But we all came up thinking that feminism was either, you know, about white women or it was about hating white women. But Brittany is very candid and she's like, black feminism, this is on page 35. Mm-hmm. Black feminism is not a reactionary pro- project. Mm-hmm. It is not about the damage that white girls do, not solely or primarily. Black feminism is about the world black women and girls can build if all the haters would raise up and let us get to work. Mm. So, so yep. haters I mean, including yeah. ourselves, because she also exactly. talks about yes. the the whole idea behind like I don't trust females and how that's been ingrained, and that was like a, that mm-hmm. was a time that was a thing. But she said if you say fuck the patriarchy, but you don't ride for other women, then it might be more true that the patriarchy has fucked you. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, I just knew not- I was into this book. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's real though because it, it really forces us to, to acknowledge the ways that we are complicit, and yep. not by yep. our own intention, but just you know we're all growing up in a world where you know it's been about men and the interests of men, and we don't even realize the ways that we are doing ourselves and our sisters and our nieces and nephews and daughters a disservice um, by just kind of like perpetuating and continuing these conventions and traditions and values that have limited us and kept us kept us held down for so long I mean it's it's about intentionality right you know you who you've been up until this time can be shaped by a number of different forces that you know as you grow you recognize those things, patriarchy and all of those things that affect not just the way that you deal with others, but even how you're dealing with yourself. Right. And so at some point um, in my black feminism, I just want to help other black girls wake up and say that you, you can reclaim um, the way that your life is defined and shaped and you can do it by starting with a love of self, love of other black women community in that black women and realizing like the strength that we have innately that we can, with a little bit of intentionality, we can do things that uh, really make a difference, not just in our lives, but in like the lives of others. Cause when black women are operating, everybody benefits. Let me tell you something. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. um, I think I think so just moving moving through the book like I said the each chapter to me kind of hones in on a specific concept so to uh-huh. me the, the strong female leads chapter was about uh friendships mm-hmm. and the ways that friendships have have shaped um you know our our understanding of black women um, and, and black feminism and how we, uh, you know, have kind of worked that out and come to these um, understandings and realization. Um, and then, you know, subsequent grown woman theology being about like sex and relationships Ooh. as shaped um, and <laughs> by, mm. you know, um, <laughs> faith in, in the church and, and those kinds of things. Um Orchestrated fury, talking about rage and rage as a tool and anger, mm-hmm. not just being kind of like an emotion to be dismissed, but uh, you know, a lens through which to to to, to look at life and and to guide our choices and the things that we um, 
choose to pursue or, you know, white girl tears being about our relationships with white women. And, you know, there's just all kinds of things. Love in a hopeless place, kind of talking about relationships and um, not only, and it's not like a book. What I like about it is it's not like, it's not a, it's not a he man, woman haters or she no. man, men haters kind of thing. No. Right. Well, but it does hold all of us, not just men, but all of us responsible to look at the ways that um, we've even been socialized to think uh, that it has to be either or, or to yeah. be, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we cannot love and prioritize the interest of black men mm-hmm. at the expense of, of loving and prioritizing the right. interests of black women um, and the ways at which we do that, you know, subconsciously. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we were talking about this earlier when we were talking about the scarcity mindset. Right. And how that's essentially been institutionalized throughout our society. Right. Mm-hmm. So it started with us that, you know, what we have, we have to keep to ourselves. We can't share with others because then that means that we will no longer have enough. And then in different ways, um, we can't lift up our sister at the same time because when we go into a job, it's every man for themselves because two sisters can't win at the same time, which is a lie. And then when you talk about comparing relationships between black men and black women, like I can't lift up myself because lifting up myself means that I'm putting you down. That's not true either. So if we start operating with this more of an abundance sort of mindset, it manifests its ways in different ways in the ways that we deal with ourselves, in the ways that we deal with our sisters in the we, the ways that we deal with black men mm-hmm. and then broader society as a whole and trying to figure out a way that how do we institutionalize abundance now because we've been taught to act like the little that we have is all that we're going to get yeah. um, and it's not going to get any better. Well, that's why me and Kia, we, we have a repeated message that we have said all up and through this show. Kia, Kia said that we're not all chasing the same carrot. Like the, yeah. there, there is there's enough, mad carrots. There's mad, so much out here for people carrots. to do, there's and so people much have different talents and different strengths and things. And I think what we're starting to see a lot more of with this, the one of the good things from this generation, because who the ghetto, um, <laughs> there's there's a lot more focus on supporting. Uh, black, not necessarily just black business, but just black ventures, whether it be your doctors or what have you, just trying to support black people in general and trying to establish that sense of community that a lot of other cultures have that we haven't had due to um, many different factors for a very long time. Um, I forgot where I was going with this point. I mean, it boils down to divide and conquer, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, how... I mean, and if you think about it, it could just very well have been a tactic that white people used long ago. Just be like, you know, we can keep if we keep them separate, then we can keep control. That's exactly over them. what they were doing. If we keep them fighting and at each other, and you know, then they snitch on each other. They're not working together because if they get together. They know that we, we're, they're not going to be able to sustain, you know, this hierarchy that we've already put in place. I'd rather them take each other out than take us out. Exactly. But y'all, it's even <clears throat> it's even more institutionalized than that, because even OK, what we were talking about with estate planning. Right. What I what I do is I'm teaching people things black people do not know about estate planning. That's They've, true. They don't know what when I say estate plan, they're like, wait, what? What are you talking? I will. Right. I'm like, yeah, but there's other things involved with it. But the truth is the white people who wrote the laws related to estate planning have been doing this for years. And so that means that what they're doing is connected to the gen- next generation, which gives the next generation a step up. 
And because we haven't learned about it, that means we are disconnected between generations. So we come in, we work ourselves down to the bone, we die poor, right? Or we might die with a little bit of money, but because we haven't passed it on using the rules that have been created, but not been shared with us, then that means that our next generation starts from the very same ground zero that we started at. Yep. And so even so even in that when you're talking about divide and conquer, I mean, it goes through multiple it's manifested in many different ways. And so changing our mindset around this and and starting to operate more like a community, realizing that we can use the tools of the system that was not designed for us Mm -hmm. to benefit us, because if we have business owners that are um, affecting a, a black community and those business owners don't have a plan. If something happens to them, that business fails, that impacts the community. Yep. Right. Because that's money that was going back into the community because which businesses invest back into its community, black businesses invest yes. back in black communities. So if black businesses are failing, black communities are suffering when black families are, are not, uh, when, when black families are failing, mm-hmm. black communities are suffering. So it's, it's yes, it's about working in this community mindset mm-hmm. and doing all of the things that that means that allows us to live an abundant life, but then also allows us to share that abundant life with others. Well said, Keish. Yes. Come on. Well said. Planner. All right. I keep, I feel like it's like the sixth time that I've gone off about this. this no, week. it's Somebody good would though. be like, well, you know, black wealth. And I'm like, you know, what about black wealth? <laughs> Young Have you heard 1%. about estate planning? Except 1% out here to spread the word. To we all can all be members. 1%. That's okay? it. That's why, that's, what, that's why that's your name. um, I want to talk really quickly I kind of change gears a little bit But I think that another thing that Brittany does Super well here for me Is that um, She contextual Like she takes The takes the responsibility off of us in many ways right so especially when it deals with our interactions and relationships with black men mm-hmm. i think she does a, a great job of explaining um you know why why some black men think the way that they do mm-hmm. um and especially as it relates to how they relate with uh black women um, the, the the societal and structural factors that contribute to um, what their pain and frustrations are and how that impacts black women, um, you know, both in individual relationships and then by and large. And I'm thinking now about, you know, the, the smartest man I ever knew when she talks about her father and, um, you know, the things that contributed to issues in his life and you know his capacity to be a husband and a father and what that and what that means and you know that even helped you know you know me in kind of processing my own situation and thinking about you know the ways that my father fathered me Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, in dealing, and I'm still processing it in, in very much in therapy and kind of working on myself as it relates to this. But I, I'm trying to reframe the way that I think about my father's absence, mm-hmm. right? In that, um, if I'm to if I am to look at my father compassionately as a man mm-hmm. and take the responsibility of parenting off of him, thinking about you know what what I know of his life before he became a parent and just seeing, you know, 
thinking about what it must have felt like for him to be his age and having these two children and this wife and not really feeling prepared and all of that. I think about, you know, and the choices that he made and under the, and what contributed to them and reading Brittany's story really helped me to think about like, you know, sure my dad wasn't around, but perhaps maybe his absence was the way that he decided to father me because fathers mm. do what's in the best interest of their children. And maybe he made a decision. I mean, and this could just be me like trying to rationalize in my mind, but it's how I'm, I'm processing it now. So indulge me. Maybe, maybe his absence was the way that he protected me. Maybe he knew that he was into some things that would have impacted me and Brian negatively. Mm -hmm. So he chose to stay away and maybe he didn't go about it the right way. And maybe everything wasn't lined up as he would have liked, but you know, I have to be, I'm, I'm learning how to be grateful for that. Um, you know, and thinking how the situation could have been worse. Um, and had he stayed, dealing with the things he was dealing with and how that would have, you know, the things that me and Brian could have been exposed to that would have changed the shape of our lives mm -hmm. um, significantly. So I think there's a lot of information within the book that um, is, is useful for a number of reasons and, and, and gives us a lot to think about um, so that we're not always so um, in the woe is me place. And I mean, I think even broader, broader than that, you can also think about people's capacity right. when you're dealing with them. Mm -hmm. Right. And and managing expectations that you have of people, which doesn't mean don't have standards, but in terms of showing grace and being compassionate and being mm. understanding, recognizing that people can only operate to their capacity. Right. And so if your capacity is greater then um Show them a little bit of grace and compassion that way, you yeah. know, you, you don't need to expose yourself to any toxicity because of it. But you but you can say, all right, here's the limits of how you and I are going to interact because I recognize that that's where your capacity is. Right. And I understand it. And I'll let you have that. Right. Managing other people's expectations or managing managing other people's behaviors with your expectations is just that's just a fall. But like that, you, you don't do that. You cannot you cannot manage other people's behaviors and what you expect of them. I was thinking about that when she was talking about her grandmother and the birth control issue. <laughs> and how her grandmother flat out told her if birth control had been available in the 50s and 60s things might be different she would have two kids instead of six yeah. but she was like but we just couldn't get the stuff and it made me think of that because of a lot of people's different views I know we have you know there's a wide view of pro-life versus pro-choice and People, you know, don't think that that, you know, that people should kill babies. But then there are plenty of people who, you know, I have options now. That is important. I think bringing children into this world in a selfish capacity, just, you know, and you don't know what kind of life you're going to give them. I don't know. I'm going off into a whole tangent. <laughs> but <laughs> that was really important to me. That's uh, and we got some interesting mail about that recently. <laughs> but I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> I'm going to leave no, it alone. Real. Um, no, I think you you raised a good point um, and just kind of how, like generationally, I think, um, you know, the shame that millennials often, the shade, you know, people kind of shade us in ways 
that I don't feel are fair. No. Um, and, you know, blaming us. Kind of like, you know, even if you think about like the broader conversation of how like the nation would be like, oh, the teen pregnancy problem. And it's like, you know, teens didn't just now start having sex. No, like, they didn't. Like y'all just. And used... actually teens are having less sex exactly. now they than are. Uh, the people before them. Exactly. Um, they just handle the situation differently. You know, they ship the baby off down south. Well, you know, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but Or the whole yeah. teenager. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you just got an 18 year old coming back. Like, like where's your daughter? She. She's what? not here right now <laughs> for a year. <laughs> yeah. They used to do some shady ass shit. I uh, I like her conversation too about um about about the the stigma around sex in the church. I thought that was a really a really point. What did you all think about that conversation? I'm more interested in that actually. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <clears throat> I think um, what I appreciated the most about it is that. Uh, I feel like it's a very necessary conversation mm-hmm. that the, that that a lot of churches have chosen not to have. And I don't feel like we've really sat with the implications of that choice not to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, they have the conversation. It's just in a very narrow, like... I don't even know, though. I, mean, I don't know that I would define what they have as a conversation. a conversation. It's not a conversation. It's more it's kind of like, like an don't edict. Don't have sex is bad. Right. <laughs> it's a mean decree. Exactly. It's an edict. It's a rule. It's not necessarily If you have like, sex, you'll get pregnant and die. <laughs> yes. Um, but, I mean, right. I really liked how she talked about how um, it's, it's an unreasonable expectation mm-hmm. that humans can kind of turn off sexuality thank you um and i mean i say when i say sexuality i'm not just talking about the act of sex but i'm talking about having conversations and really just really just um embracing and owning natural things that happen within the body Mm -hmm. um and i'm not saying that you know i'm not saying that urges don't necessarily mean that you act on the urge but you don't want people to feel like you don't approach it from a, a point of shame. Yes. You don't want people to feel like you that they are wrong for feeling for feeling. Mm-hmm. But that's what's of, been going on for so long. Absolutely. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. The conversation needs to be had um, because I think her transparency really resonated with me around how you look up. You've been you've been kind of trained um, and this this messaging has been kind of thrown at you all your life and you kind of throw yourself into um, not becoming a statistic mm-hmm. and working hard and following the rules and doing everything that you're supposed to do. And then you look up and you're 35 and it's like, well, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I just been doing what y'all told me to do. So right. Right. <laughs> I mean, why it's not popping for me just yet. So I think that mm-hmm. that I think that's really fair. And a lot of women feel and experience that. And I think it's really important because even within the church conversations about sex with men and boys are very different than conversations about sex with women and girls. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. It it's is. a problem. And we, what, what happens is that we have a lot of women who grow up um, turned off to their sexuality um, and it yeah. leads to extreme behavior in, in either direction. Yep. So you, so, you know, whether you just kind of like super prude and you just like, I don't know anything about it. You don't feel like you don't feel comfortable expressing sexuality mm-hmm. or, you know, you're the opposite of that where you just out here being out here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, we can, you know, you have your opinions about, uh, you know, 
what your values are or beliefs around um, you know, either of those extremes, but I would argue that either extreme is, is not healthy. And see, that's why I like to find myself comfortably in the middle, <laughs> um, at church, praising the Lord right and deep. in my, uh, body con dress that's with, right, my with a blazer, you know, you you know do. duality, but you right, can't do right nothing there. to cover you know, that ass right there, right there. Me and the Lord and Dude, my sexiness that's and your right. ass. all living. He gave it to me. Y'all <laughs> Keisha got a big old ass. It looks like a pumpkin. <laughs> as do you, as do you. We're not Hello? talking about me right I find now. We're talking about in a you. good company right now. <laughs> it's a lot of hips around the table. Let's tell the story about how uh, okay, we don't need to tell that when story. we first no, met. No, you know, I don't, I don't know. We were all first met in person. I don't know. And how that's necessary. How we, uh, you know, build community uh, <laughs> around, around measuring the waist to booty ratio. Measuring, measuring waist to booty ratios. So wrong. That's right. And don't you ever forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I still think that somehow y'all cheated. Ain't no way. I feel because Keisha was talking big cash yes, trash. Yes, I was. About is, this is how, how I know y'all cheated because ain't I'm nobody never wrong. cheated. I'm ain't nobody wrong. cheated. So you just out know. here with the biggest yamin, and that's just <laughs> what you mean. But okay. We digress or whatever. I'm, I do want to wrap up. I do feel like y'all let us know. Um in the comments or however y'all want to communicate with us, whether or not y'all want to continue to talk about this book. But I mean, what, before we wrap up favorite parts, highlights, favorite quotes, lines. I know it's really hard. Cause I have literally underlined just about every word in this book. Um, but yeah, let me know guys, before we wrap up, what are some of the major keys for someone who may be listening, who hasn't read the book yet and you had to pitch to them what's, uh, you know, struck a chord with you and made you say, mm, <laughs> and why they might want to read it so that they can have that same experience. Well, well, for one, I love the fact that her grandmother calls condoms combos. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> I touched on it, but I love that uh, when she says, um, this is on page 127. Mm-hmm. I was trapped in a raging battle between my spirit and my flesh. The evangelical teachings of the Baptist churches in which I grew up insisted on our flesh, our bodies. I can turn the pages <laughs> and their longings and impulses were sinful, dangerous and unhealthy. I feel like that has that that is like that's a huge problem among black people, especially black people who are heavily religious, some of my family included. And I think that um, we just touched on it, but we need to have a lot more open conversations about sex and not in the way where she talked about the 90s campaign. I remember the Love Waits Purity campaign. Mm -hmm. Everything has been surrounded about telling people what they don't need to be doing. And instead of telling people how to do things in a healthy way, emotionally, physically, and so forth and so on. And so there are things that are going to happen with your body. And I think that shame, that that shame that surrounds a lot of black women in their bodies is from a lack of conversation, a lack of understanding and a lack of proper conversation. And so that's, that resonated a little bit. That resonated a little bit with me in the book. Um. So, this book feels like a hug from Big Mama. Yeah. Because uh, you go in for the hug with Big Mama, you feel safe. Mm-hmm. You feel seen, you feel secure, you feel understood. But then after she's done hugging you, she holds you back and then she goes, now you know you were wrong when you blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. And so she challenges you too. And then she goes, and now you know you can do better. And so she pushes you 
to kind of fulfill who you are. So this this book feels like a hug from Big Mama. Um, thank you, Brittany Cooper. Um, I I didn't even know that there are books that I've loved, but this is this is one of those books that you read it and then you put it by your bed so that whenever you feel some type of way, you can just reach for it. Mm-hmm. I felt every single emotion reading this book. Um, but I will say that my favorite part was the way that she ended. And she ended with a short chapter on joy. Yes. And that mm. really resonated with me because no matter what I'm going through, I I fully walk in the confirmation that uh, my joy is ultimately what I strive for every single day. That doesn't mean that I don't have hard days, frustrating days, days that make me cry, want to give up, start all over again. But I, I, I try to push for joy every day. So I'm not going to read everything that she wrote, but I'm just going to read a little bit. Um, may you have joy. May you have gut busting belly laughter every day. May you ask more and better questions. May your rage be a force for good. You got this. We got this. Thank Aww. you, Brittany. Thank you, girl. Isn't she everything? Brittany, everything. we love you, girl. Everything. Um, I know for me, um, I feel like I should let you in. That would have been an awesome close. But uh, <laughs> um, one of my one of the parts that kind of punched me. Well, I got two actually. Let me just try to pick which one I want to do right now. Are you gonna talk about? I have, I have another. Club? I have another one after you, if you don't mind. Okay, so I'm gonna you do see, my it's, two right it's quick. So right? Hard it's to really come hard. Up with one thing. <laughs> um, I want to thank Brittany. This is a personal shout out for me. I want to thank you for the love in the hopeless place chapter. Yes. Um, mm. because you really situated the experience of the single black woman in a way that liberated us from that uh, act like a woman, think like a man. Oh, child. <laughs> uh, you know, that the oppression, the, the, <laughs> the heavy load of, you know, you know, black women being responsible for their singleness. Thank you for really breaking it down, um, the numbers and the statistics and showing why structurally and systematically, um, you know, a lot of black women are single not by virtue of anything that they've done or haven't done, but because the world has broken down black men to the extent that they're just, uh, we don't have as many options as, as, as other counterparts. And you really don't know how you took the load off of me. Um, because you know, you go places as a single woman, everybody want to sermonize you and tell you that you got to do these things and your man will come and they make it your fault, your responsibility, your bag to carry. And I just want to thank you for, um, taking that load off of me because it was really like a, it was a, it was a bit of a gut punch. Cause you know, seeing the numbers, seeing the stats, seeing the, the, you know, seeing all of it right there on the paper was just like well dang but but, uh it was just good to hear somebody say girl it's not you (laughs) like you know the game is you know the game is is not set up for a lot of us to win doesn't mean that you're not gonna win Mm -hmm. but um you know it's not your fault it's not anything that you've done um can i just stick a pin right there and say and it's also a reminder to uh, women who are in committed relationships Mm-hmm. To um, not be a jerk yeah. or to not be um, don't don't misunderstand when your single friends are talking about the struggles that they're going through in terms of dating. Yeah, because the, she lays out the reality right there. And I think sometimes when you get into a relationship and you're happy, you kind of forget mm. back when you were out there and it was a struggle to find someone that you 
right. thought could really see you. And it also like takes it off. Like we don't look at relationships as kind of like the 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 gold gold medal at the end of the race, right? It's not like it's, it's not, not like relationships are a reward for good behavior. No, they're right. not. <laughs> right, relationships are a lot of work. Um, and and you don't have like the whole. Um, you know, it's not a sign that, that you have arrived and you no longer have to do any work on yourself. Exactly. No, bitch, it just um, means you got a second job. Like, yeah, it means that you have a lot more <laughs> yeah. work to do. And you also honestly. have a mirror that talks back to you. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. oh, you thought that you were going to sweep under the rug. By the way, did you know that you. Like, oh. <laughs> you so know. good. Or so if it's good. not that great, it's like a house of fleas, whatever. But it, whatever <laughs> it is, it's like, <laughs> you know, there's there. <laughs> I want what I want women in relationships to stop doing is when you're when you're single friends and it needs to go both ways like True. if i complain about my nigga it doesn't mean that i'm in the ultimate worst relationship ever if yeah. my single friends are complaining about some of the struggles that they're going through you happen to be in a relationship and your friends are doing that don't give them the all puppy dog face or like like keisha's like keisha like kia said relationships are not a consolation prize they're just no. another part of life. And everybody and just because somebody is single doesn't mean that their life is sad. It just means that they don't have anybody eating all their snacks. <laughs> Legit. Because I eat all of Joseph's snacks. And Tristan eats all of mine. He doesn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> Like we gotta stop looking at. I'm it. sure he thinks about when he was single and he eat his snacks. Oh my god. Himself. I used to have juice in my house. <laughs> used to. It's I don't just, have it's no just essential water that costs an arm and a leg. Because <laughs> exactly. all Keisha buys is essential water and vegetables. That's correct. Like, if she only has salmon and drinks tea. <laughs> That's it. She'll come she in with a Costco like size. She's like, I bought fish. There's a lot of veggies here. And I have tea. I'm like, bitch, you know you want some chips. Like, why didn't you just buy some so you're not eating all of mine? <laughs> So mad, Jade. You should have because I know that's yes. what you do. You should have just said yes when I offered. I'm mad because every time over. I come that's, to your house, you I don't have no goddamn snacks. It had been like she 15 minutes. She I don't want to eat your minutes. Sims. I don't want any sautéed spinach, Keisha. Fine. Sometimes well, fine. I just Bring want some chips. Then. Bring your own snacks. <laughs> I will. All right. <laughs> don't. I will. <laughs> I will. Okay. Wait. Let me do my other one right quick because then Jade's gonna do her last one. But in the Never Scared chapter. Shout out to Brittany for talking, just using all of this, you know, these hip hop culture references too, because it's, I feel like she's speaking our language. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. But uh, she talked about how, how fear um, has really been like a, a tool of oppression, um, you know, and how we've allowed, you know, white fear or how white fear has, um, you know, the dangers of white fear um, and how white fear has limited uh uh, black people as well. So I'm going to read a little, two little sections. Letting fear rule is dangerous if you're a regular person. This is on page 211. If you have levels of privilege and power unmatched in the modern world, being ruled by fear is catastrophic for those with less power than you. Fear of black people is one of the grandest delusions of white supremacy. And then she says in the in a subsequent chapter, curiosity is often the first casualty of the politics of fear. Amen. Sometimes the things we fear most are our questions. More specifically, we fear the questions to which we don't have answers. When we are afraid, we stop asking questions and start seeking short term solutions. 
The work of my hands is the work of teaching students how to ask more and better questions. I thought that was like, yes. Because yes. Yes. I think, I yes. think um, this, it's just so much. It's like there's so much. I mean, it sounds simple and, and, and obvious, but we can never, ever stop asking questions and gaining knowledge and information, how fear keeps us from exploring and thinking um, in ways that expand our perspective instead of constrict and confine it. Mm -hmm. And how, like, you know how when you're afraid, when you're panicked, you don't think properly, you don't think clearly, and you're just so focused on finding a solution that you don't always accurately assess your situation. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And, you know, how limiting that is to you as a person and how that kind of keeps you where you are instead of imagining beyond your current situation. Um, And, you know, she goes on to talk about how then we use rage as a tool for not only, you know, fear and rage, you know, being uh, bold enough to question the things that we are angry about Mm -hmm. is the only way that we get to, um, dismantling the things that uh, are contributing to what, what are oppressing us or holding us back. So just, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I I think rage is um, an act of faith because, (laughs) because when you think about it, right. um, Rage is, is letting go of the fear of being judged for being angry. Mm -hmm. It's letting go of the fear of, um, what, what rage is going to look like to other people. What's going to be how people are going to feel about it. Yeah. Um, and how they define it Mm -hmm. and you're deciding to take it and to run with it and to be vocal about it. Mm -hmm. And, and given the history that we have, the, the fear that has been like systematically designed to be a, a, a thread of our lives. I think rage becomes an act of faith. And that makes sense because Brittany talks Mm -hmm. about how rage then becomes the fuel that drives um, our passion to do the work. How rage is a mobilizer. Yeah. You know, like fear keeps us, uh, Stagnant and still and scared to move forward, and rage is like, now nah, I'm busting out of this joint. Yeah, rage right. is like fake emotion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. It is what was true. your last one, Jade? And then we'll wrap it up. My last one um, is uh, is I like how she called out a lot of people who call themselves feminists, where she said um, she was doing a black girl call out. She was doing a black girl call out because she did it to Chiamanda. And that was the section that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, let me see where to start this this damn thing. OK, she talks about the problematic viewpoint from Chiamanda, like Chiamanda talks about feminism and what it means and the equality, but how she separated women from trans women. And she said, uh, and Brittany says, instead, she said there are women and then there are trans women. And while it is okay to acknowledge that all kinds of women, whether white, black, indigenous, Latina, Asian, cisgender, nonconforming, trans, queer, bi or straight might have different experiences, Mm -hmm. is not cool to act as though trans women are in some entirely separate category Mm -hmm. from the more general category of woman. That is something that feminism needs to be clear on, that that it isn't feminism if all women's concerns, particularly the most marginalized women's concerns, aren't taken seriously. Yep. 
So uh, I, I really be. I love that. I thought that was because it's very pointed. Cause she she talked a lot in the beginning about um, some of the problematic ways or the very narrow minds that that cis hetero women can have. I said that right. Mm-hmm. I said that right. Okay, bet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's you being woke, Jay. You know, <laughs> niggas trying. I'm trying out here. <laughs> I got called. You know, you got called all out in this right. book and whatnot. <laughs> you like, called well, all out on the right. internet. I'm trying over here. <laughs> but uh, there's a very narrow mentality that a lot of cis hetero straight women can have, and we have to remember that if we're going to call ourselves feminists. That we are speaking on behalf of all women, especially those who are marginalized or the most marginalized. So and are getting killed at alarming insane, rates. Insane. Just, I mean. Alarming rates. Yeah. But, and that is a, that's a big issue to talk about. But we got to start with the fact that we need to acknowledge them as women as mm-hmm. well. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's where it begins and how we change our mentality and how we view each other. So that was, that was important to me. I like that. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Brittany, we speak your name, sis. Absolutely. This book was Thank you, this girl. Was it. <laughs> come join us at the kitchen table. We got snacks. Or if you want to come to the real kitchen table, my house is open. Um, I am an You won't get cook. no carbs. I am an excellent cook. I no, she's going to get rice. You. you know that you're going to get rice in my house. Oh, yeah, you will get rice. T-shirt. I forgot you about the rice. You will get rice. You get rice, tea, salmon, salmon rice. and leafy I'm greens. <laughs> but yes, honestly, Eloquent Rage is, is not just a book that you read one time. I feel like it will be a point of reference for me going forward as we continue through getting grown and other means to just love on black women and prioritize um, us and again not at the expense of prioritizing any other uh, group but I mean I think it's fair and and important and and expected for us to you know champion Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and promote and and advocate for ourselves and the things that are important to us because if we don't do that then we are of no use and no good to other populations that we aim to serve absolutely Because we're the backbone. Well, let's go on and get into this honesty box. Boomerang is coming Tuesday, February the 12th at 10, 9 central on BET. How is it different from the classic movie of the same name, you ask? Girl, I'm so glad. First off, it's the scripted half hour dramedy for the TV. We are introduced to the Graham legacy. So Simone Graham, daughter of Marcus and Angela. She's headstrong, gorgeous and compromising. Her colleague and guy bestie, Bryson, is the son of Jacqueline Broyer, remember? <laughs> Lingerie in a trench coat. Yep, yep, that's her. Anyway, Bryson has a vision for making his mark in the business, but he has his eye on Simone as well. Ari is an emerging director who walks on the wild side. David is a pastor who has yet to get over Crystal, Simone's best girlfriend. Tia is the firecracker of the crew, ready to break big with the help of Simone's marketing genius. So you'll see some of your friends and a lot, uh, a lot of yourself on screen. So Boomerang, executive produced by Lena Waithe and and Halle Berry premieres Tuesday, February 12th at 10, 9 central on BET. Check BET.com for show exclusives. Honestly, truly. Hey, cousins. You all can call me KG. She gave herself a name this week. All right. Y'all don't have self. Oh, Y'all don't have to read this on air, but I really need some advice. <laughs> we're just, just Jade. Oh, Jade. Holy God. <laughs> you are terrible. Jesus. You're actually terrible. I mean, did she say she didn't want it read or she said y'all don't have to? 
Is it long? It's good. No, it's read not it long. Then. It's good. Okay. She didn't say don't read it. Yeah. yeah. She just said y'all don't have to. What well, we going to? Okay. So for What's our third KG. KG. Sorry, KG girl. Jay, we're, we're praying her through. Go ahead. Yeah. Don't mind me. I'm <laughs> I'm half blind. For our thirty second birthdays, my my bestie and I decided to do Vegas since she would be there for a law conference. Anyway, Woo! I'm already overwhelmed. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Keisha, is this you? Since she would be there for a law conference. Since she would be there for a law conference anyway, and we invited our very close group of friends to celebrate with us. Everybody bailed out about three months before the trip, and I didn't want to roam Vegas alone while Bessie was getting her team typing fast on, so I invited my then-fiancé, who was more than ecstatic, to accompany me. Fast forward to a week before Christmas, and fiancé tells me he wants to get married while we're in Vegas celebrating my birthday. We planned a destination wedding at Paris, Las Vegas, two years ago, but broke it off due to a lack of support from his mother. I think I wrote y'all about that. Did okay. you? I don't okay. I don't uh, I know my brain is terrible. Instead of trying to include friends and family again, I agreed and we eloped um, on this particular date. We didn't tell anyone we were eloping prior to uh, prior to except our five-year-old daughter who surprisingly kept our secret. I'm so surprised by that. Yeah. Our yeah. parents, birthday besties who also styled us along with one friend from undergrad group and a few other close friends. We made the announcement via group text, phone calls, and social media posts once it became official. We got so much love and support from our family and friends and people who don't even know us. But my group of girls from undergrad are in their fields because I didn't tell them prior. Found out through stylist uh, that one made the comment that she had known we were eloping. She would have made the trip. She's also the same friend who told us not to invite her on any trips this year. Hmm. My thing is, had they not bailed out on the trip, fiance would never have been invited and we wouldn't have been we wouldn't be here. By the way, the trade-off was more than worth it. For the record, I attempted to tell them during our Christmas dinner gift exchange multiple times that night, but drinks got to flowing and the vibe and energy was completely off. Silas also confirmed, one friend recalls me trying to make an important announcement, but somebody drunkenly spoke over me, so I said fuck it and kept it to myself. It's been a week and two days, and I have yet to hear from anyone from the group. Do y'all think I was wrong for not telling them we were eloping? How do I confront them since I know they've been talking shit and didn't show love? Is this a sign that we're growing apart? Please help. Thanks much in advance, KG. Um, let me just ask this, though. Doesn't the word eloping suggest... Yo, you're you're going exactly where I was gonna go. That you don't got to tell nobody. That's, that's the definition. I now, mean, that's by definition, real, that's the long and the short of it Isn't all. That <laughs> an elopation? Beginning and end. <laughs> that's Start what, and stop. That's what an elopation entails. <laughs> It means I, I, you, you, it, it really exempts you from even having to tell your mother. Honestly, like I mean, yeah. I just feel like we're, we are arguing about like things that are not things. If they feel away, I mean, it's done. Like I don't know, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know how. I think that answered the question. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but I'm saying like she's she asking well she wants to know how to address it yeah should right? she I mean I just feel like 
Would you? I feel like I, I'm not in the business of telling people how to feel. So if if um if I did something that I was comfortable doing and it made friends of mine upset, they have the right to feel how they want to feel about it. Mm-hmm. She said she doesn't regret it. And so as it really, she doesn't need to apologize for it. No. Um, I do think that, you know, as I've gotten older, if I realize that someone um, is upset with me and it's a relationship that I value and they haven't approached me about it, I approach them about it just because I'm grown and I don't have time to wait for awkward moments. Speak on it. Um, and he said, he said, she said type of things. If I find out that a close friend of mine and I are having problems and that close friend has not approached me, then yeah, I approach it. I'm head on. Like, let's deal with it. And if that means like you need a break and I need a break and we can come back and talk about it later, then okay. But it's not about to be something that we're not going to discuss. Nope. I agree. I think that you be within your rights to kind of set the tone for the conversation and mm-hmm. just be like, this is what it is. I, I I am open to having a conversation and hearing your feelings about it, but I, I'm coming at coming to the table wanting to move forward. Right. I don't want to, you know, it's, it's, it's done. So I'm not going to go back and forth. We're not going to have this huge exchange. This is a decision that I made. I'm grown and can make that decision. You're entitled yeah. to not like it. Um, but I, I mean, you can say, I hope that this doesn't mean that, you know, our relationship will dissolve. But if it's something you can't get past, then... I don't know. It's something. What to tell you. It's something that you can't mm-hmm. can't get past. I mean, and as far as their question as to whether or not this is a sign that you might be growing apart, I feel like you won't be able to know for that for sure until, until you have this conversation, right? Yep. Um, I mean, it's and it, I mean, we don't know. Like the conversation is necessary because we don't know what they feel away about. Do they feel away? Like you know what I'm saying? Just getting some more clarity about what the specific issue is. Are they mad because you hadn't told them? Are they mad because they weren't there? Are yeah. they it looks mad? like, like you know, it looks like they were mad because she didn't tell them. And somebody said, had they known, they would have made an attempt to be there. My whole thing is, if you guys were planning a friend trip, your decision is your decision, and I don't think you have any. I don't think you 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 should feel bad about it whatsoever. Again, like Keisha said, if your friends feel upset for a second, because ultimately they're upset because they could not celebrate with you, right? Yeah, they, they wanted could. To they be, could. They wanted to be so there for something special. Like it's, it comes from a place of love somewhere. However, if they are not able to move forward after you all have the conversation about whether or not, you know, however they feel and everybody's able to get all their feelings out there. That's when it may be a conversation of maybe our relationships are changing. But ultimately, look at look at where they're coming from. They're coming from a place of love because they're upset that they this is somebody they care about and they couldn't be there for an important time in their life. And again, eloping suggests I don't have to tell nobody. So I should have had the right to surprise all you niggas when we got there. Mm-hmm. I also think that if if she's saying that this is in the 32 kind of range, if, if the friends are around this age, mm-hmm. then they're that typically is the transition between like the weddings where everybody's invited. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, realizing that um, marriage and that kind of stuff is such a personal decision that how you go about it, the only person that you really need to be clear on 
is your, your partner. partner that you're going into that <laughs> it's with. Your partner. And so if it's you, your partner, and your baby was all on the same accord, then get your life, sis. Like, I didn't have a wedding party. You know why? Because I had a two-year-old. <laughs> we were already a family. <laughs> so I didn't need to have a wedding party. Do you think any of my friends felt a way about it? No. Because they were there celebrating with me. I said, I have I have 25 bridesmaids right now. All you bitches are my bridesmaids. We definitely conducted ourselves at your bachelorette party as such. Yes. <laughs> it was a great time. I have heard the stories. Oh, my word. Keisha would have been there, but she was getting married literally two months later. That's correct. Right. <laughs> we got married in my parents' summer. backyard. Yep. Indeed. And where I bartended. That's correct. <laughs> it was a busy summer. And got it, was all a my busy summer. it was a busy I summer. I bartended at your wedding while I was still a newlywed. How about that? With yes. my new husband. That's yes. Right. Both Slash of baby daddy. It was a good time. That's it was a so good true. time. I have so many embarrassing pictures of Kia because of that. Thank you so much. Amazing. <sighs> Amazing. Didn't even, that didn't have anything to do with me. You did not have to bring me into that at all. Thank well, you. Well, you're here. Right. right in the fold well KG <laughs> uh, we do hope that whatever we've offered in the, during this time has been helpful to you um, yes, keep us updated let us know uh, how things pan out but yeah I think we're all in agreement that it's worthwhile and uh, worth, worth you know having the conversation with your friends about it and just clearing the air, just getting it out on there. So ain't no speculation. Ain't no, I heard from so-and-so. Right. It's like, sis, what is it? Let's talk about it. Let's get down to it. Let's get to let, Let's get over it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And not from a place of like, you know, I don't care, but just, let's just move forward. We don't want to be in this place because the, the fact of the matter is I got a husband and I'm happy and I want <laughs> you to be happy too. I want God you wish. to be happy for me. Absolutely. So yeah, honesty box, y'all keep sending in your submissions. Get we love to be podcast at gmail.com. That's right. We just love to be knee deep in y'all's business. <laughs> um, and we, we greatly appreciate that, uh, you know, you guys, Caring about our opinions and asking for asking for our advice and things of that nature. We hope we, we share always from a place of love and concern. Always. All right. You ready to be petty, man? I sure am. Oh, boy. Here we go. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody know I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey, honey. Ooh. It's a parade and everybody's invited because I have a big old petty peeve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, so for those who follow us on social media, I'm sure that you saw a, a very colorful response from the Getting Grown podcast account. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, to, yes. To a person who's no longer with us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that they will transform themselves later on into some oh. other troll account because I think you just invited them to. Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, listen, weirdos are going to be weird regardless. Like I'm not going to make them any more weird than what they already are. Yeah, they don't need encouragement. But my petty peeve is for weirdos. Why are you so motherfucking weird? <laughs> like what I don't understand we talk about being knee deep in people's business, right? From a place of love and concern. This is our audience. We have formed a community here. 
We care about elevating as a people. You know, ASAP 1% is on the microphone this week and she's teaching <laughs> niggas how, you know, to die properly. And like, it's it's like... <laughs> it just all looked of, that she was talking about me. Yeah, I cannot stand you. The important things. It's like, these are all important <laughs> things. You know what I'm saying? Generational wealth, Jay-Z, you know, buy art and shit. Okay. So... <laughs> 444 out here and everything. Say all of this to say. Oh my God. Why do you why do you listen to things or watch things that you don't care for? If you don't care for the people and you don't care for the content, then why do you listen to criticize? I'm here to tell you that that is weird. I've said it before and I'm going to keep saying it. Stop being fucking weird. So you, you, cause I'm going to cuss you out every single time. And if you accuse us of something as serious as supporting. So this person was, let me give you all some backstory. This person was upset, fake upset. It was a fake outrage because if you looked on this now dead account, they had a number of responses to friend. They've been, they've been hating. I, 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 no, I reported them as spam. <laughs> um, so they, you know, they've been, they've been talking shit to Fran for years. They talk shit to the read. Like this is one of those people who intentionally listens to shows and watches things to be a hateful ass bed wench who, you know, feels the springs coming out of her mattress or his mattress. Um, and so this person does these things to respond negatively. Stop listening so you just stop listening period like your life will be so much better you will feel so much better about being on your rented computer if you are looking for a job and a purpose as opposed to being up in my motherfucking business especially when you're wrong and so for anybody who felt away last week about Key and I reading the the advertise the advertisement that <laughs> that promoted, you know, a cinematic feature that is coming out soon. You and these you know <laughs> Featuring a black lady that we all have known and loved and has committed, you know, a really stupid mistake. Um <laughs> and another person, you know, be, we read this ad of advertisement and <laughs> you read eloquent rake one time, one time. Now you're out here reading advertisement. We read this advertisement. We, this was agreed upon long before this person said the things that they said. This is not, this does not mean, and if you use your common sense, which I know is not so common, then you will see that, you or you will use your common sense, you will know that Key and I probably did not get the approval for the adver- advertisement <laughs> right before we recorded the, the, the fucking show. If you just use your common sense, but you ain't got none of that. It's too much MSG on your brain. So I'm here to tell you all for those who decide to let the MSG cloud your judgment and your fingers. If you come at us in any way and it's not factual and it's not constructive, I'm going to cuss your ass out. And I would appreciate it if you would keep that, if you would KTSE, as you all like to say, if you would KTSE that same shit when you see me in public. Which one of you beautiful ladies have a pretty beef this week? <laughs> I just want to say, I just want to say that Jay Jay wore out the getting grown uh, Twitter account to the extent that friends and colleagues from around the country were texting me like, "Yo, you snapped." 
What's up? You all right? Yo, Sorry. you managing to get a grown account? You snap, you good. I was like, that's Jade. No, you. no, I saw that tweet. I saw that tweet and I saw all the people under like, like oh, is Jade tweeting? Okay. This is Jade, isn't it? That's not Kia, that's Jade. Because you know, normally it's not me. That right. day it was me. Right. And then I went back from my account and I was like, just in case you motherfucking didn't know who it was, it was me, nigga. Oh my Lord, Jesus Christ. Just in case, but don't cut. Oh, like you're not gonna come for me and my sis. I, I'm. I, I don't have no problem cussing you out. I don't have no problem fighting you either. <laughs> so that is really the long and the short of it. Your petty peeves. You got one. Well, no, I don't have a petty peeve because y'all know I'm not petty. Oh so, my god! Bitch. So, wow. All right. So wow. now I do have a petty peeve. <laughs> Let me let me let me talk to the people who won't let you affirm yourself. That's my petty piece this week. All right. People think that they know you better than you know yourself. No, All right. No, you no, try to no, say no. affirmative things and they won't support you. you let try me just to tell say you guys, you um, if you need support, you can come to me. You obviously can't go to Jade or you can't go to Wow, on my platform. They won't, they, won't, they won't let you live to your full uh potential, but I will. Um, so if you need me, I'm here for you. And um, that's my petty peeve this I week. just want to remind <laughs> that's my petty the peeve audience that this is the same person who said that she was not a troll same at person. the start of the right. show. And, and you see, you see, they didn't affirm same me. I was trying person. to affirm my... Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Come on, Kia, go Mm-mm. and sing it. I'm not singing nothing. Some... Nope. You're not either. You're not either. Thank <laughs> you so much. Have to oh encourage. my god! Change keys on them, right? <laughs> you know, you know how to stay in the same key. <laughs> Welcome to my tribe. Key change. Key change. Welcome to my. Right in the middle. Right in the middle of the nose. First of all, that's what professionals do. Oh my god! Well, you got to have a certain to my tribe. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in your lane I can't take it Cause Keisha Will you sitting next to Keisha She gonna sing your part Yeah She can't never stay in her lane That's correct Why you over here with me You was just singing your own part And I'm trying to compliment you And now we both singing the same thing What you doing Well I just need direction Alright That's all I need I haven't sung in a few years And so I don't have no control None You too busy You that church lady Who be running around I was like Where is Keisha going All the time She don't never sit down And listen to the word She's always I move with intention Okay (laughs) I move with intention I always have something to do You're one of them Old ladies be shuffling You be shuffling All around the church Just shuffling I am very productive Where are you going Where is your scooter Somewhere (laughs) to go Do something productive That's what I'm doing All right. Sis what is your Petty peeve this week um, okay, so I'm going to just say this real quick. I want uh, those of you who work in healthcare, um, specifically, I'm talking to like, uh, like receptionist, uh, like medical clerks, people who have to like engage. If you're the first, if you're the f- frontline person. If I'm calling the doctor's office mm-hmm. or if the doctor's office is calling me, I just, I just want to admonish you. I know you got a long list of people to get through. I know that there are probably, you know, lots of things on your plate, lots of things in, in you know, you can dealing with in your Sorry. telephone. Hello. I'm gonna wrap it up so Jay can right. take her call. 
Um, I was just saying that, um, you know, you got to be mindful when you're calling people and giving them information about their health. About uh, about anything that pertains to a doctor's visit, mm-hmm. you should just be. Uh, you you should just you know have a little um, emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. Ooh. You can't just be dropping bombs on people. You know you you, you hear from the doctor. No one wants to hear from the doctor. No, <laughs> no, most people are not hear from him. You know what I'm exactly. saying? If you if the doctor is calling you, you already stressed out. So if I'm answering the phone on hello. Don't just be all <laughs> I'm all It's me I'm, You know I'm nervous <laughs> You know I'm nervous I'm like hello What, what is it <laughs> So don't be all like Oh yeah you know Let me just tell you uh, You about to die Okay Call the doctor Like no No don't do that You don't do that <laughs> Just be be mindful <laughs> Be mindful Of Where you calling people And telling them things Because You know my nerves is bad And I can't take it and there's no such thing as a minor thing. My boss was telling me today about a story. Um, and this happened to her mom a couple of years ago. But um, her mom got a call from the doctor essentially saying, like, call us as soon as you can. You need to speak to the doctor right away. And they made this call on a Friday and left her a voicemail. And so all weekend she like, oh, dear God, <laughs> why do I need to call the doctor right away? Mm-hmm. Um, and she had, you know, dealt with, you know, uh, a serious health condition and was worried that her blood work came back and maybe she was, you know, you know, headed back into the woods. She thought she was on her way to recovery. And so she all stressed out literally Friday, Saturday, Sunday, she all in her bag. And she called them on Monday morning for them to be like, Oh, uh, the doctor just needed to schedule your next follow-up appointment. And she had, (laughs) no, you get cussed out. You know, something simple. You've asked me to cuss you out. Exactly. You've asked me to do. Prayed for it. (laughs) (laughs) Something similar happened to me today. And I was just like, I'm really thinking about calling the doctor tomorrow and just being like, bruh, can you talk to your nurse practitioner or whomever that was a call on my phone yesterday and just because this is what she did and she was wrong. Like, like yeah. you can't just do that to somebody's nerves. My nerves are bad. You can't you can't just do that. And certain kind of information you shouldn't just give on the phone. No, um, they're not supposed to. Exactly. So um that was just my petty peeve. So yeah, if if just just do better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just do better. Y'all know that y'all That's like to move. tell us That's y'all like right to tell there. us that. So this is my opportunity to, you know, share the same advice or encouragement with you. Just don't be calling people's phones or on some crazy stuff, especially if you work at a doctor. KTSE. <laughs> exactly. And that but is another it. episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Keisha. Um, can yeah. I tell the people where to find me? Absolutely. Yeah. I was just about to tell you to do that. Oh, awesome. <laughs> All right. So, uh, well, thank you all for having me. Um, I feel like. I feel good now because when I'm listening to the episode, I'm like, yeah, girl, we did talk about that because blah, blah. But that's just me in my no, car. Dead ass Keisha to will text my Blue Kia and I at like, <laughs> Keisha will, because because she's aggravating like that. She'll text wow. you at 645 when she's getting ready to go for her morning workout. Okay, well. Because everybody's a morning, morning person. People. And she will text you. Oh my God, guys. So this week <laughs> about the episode <laughs> and Kia and I be like, bitch, we are trying to get our last. 30 minutes <laughs> like, <laughs> I just thought be it would be good for you guys to hear my encouragement early in the morning and I wait to send you those texts because I could send them in you're up earlier than that yeah, yeah I wake up at like 5 15 you're such an old lady by nature I am productive I have things to do anywho Same. but I am also um, tired <laughs> 
But thank y'all for having me. Loved it. Had a good time. You didn't tell the people where to find you. Oh, right. So, um, so again, I'm an estate planning attorney. Um, so if you would like to come to the event on March 9th from one to three, um, TGF as in the Griffin firm, millennialwealth.eventbrite.com. Um, if you say, you know what, I just need to get started with an estate plan and you want to find out about it, then you can just come to our website, yourestateplanningattorney.com. Um, I don't really tweet much. Um, Kia just kind of went in on me about that. That was not going in. I'm just asking did. some no, clarifying questions. You, no, you did. You disrespected me because I made my little tweet about the event. You were like, "Oh, you tweeted? You tweeted? This? <laughs> yeah. so you tweeted this yet? You should be tweeting. Wow, you just tweeted. Um, but I do use Instagram every day. So I post on my stories. So you do. She I does. Do. If you I want like an to encouraging, post encouraging word. things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you do. So I'm Shakisha Morgan on Instagram. That's it. So yeah, um, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, but um go get Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper. Get it. Uh drink your water. Mind, mind your, your business. And sorry, right, and continue to moisturize your skin. Why sis? Why, Keisha? Because your black will crack if it is dry. <laughs> like Keisha's heels. Bye. Oh my gosh. I have very moisturized heels. You do. I use shea you butter. Do. You do have very moisturized heels. Thank you. Thank Bye, you. guys. She felt attacked. Imagine ordering and chatting with doctors all online and getting birth control delivered right to your door every month. Enter Nurex, a company that's here to make getting birth control easier. Nurex means fewer doctor's visits, skipping pharmacy lines, the ghetto, and automatic refills you don't have to think about. Plus, it's the most affordable option out there without insurance and could be free with insurance. Go to NURX.com slash grown for a $20 credit because you have options. <laughs>